0: You're listening to Our Tunes, music appreciation and digital media discourse. Welcome to Our
1: Tunes. I'm Lewis. Hey, Lewis. I'm Brad. Hey, Brad. What have you been listening to?
0: Believe it or not, I've been listening to a lot of reggae.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got (laughs) reggae-pilled.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, so I gave you homework last week to listen to uh, The Harder They Come. You know, the summer is upon us. I was feeling like I needed some, like, uplifting music to bring me up and carry me along, and...
1: Reggae was there for you, man. Yeah,
0: and it's not something I traditionally go to in those periods, uh, but it's doing it. I'm on this wave right now reggae is gonna be carrying me through for a little while
1: <laughs> yeah man ride it what's the reggae recording that's doing the most for you at this um, time
0: so coming off your homework assignment i went back and i listened to a few different jimmy cliff albums in particular it's called wonderful world beautiful people came out in 1970. It was before Harder They Come. It has a couple of songs that you'll hear on the soundtrack. I'm kind of like, why isn't this a more well-known album? Yeah, I just don't know. I would also just put on a quick plug. Reggae artists that we popularly know. Toots and the Maytals, Bob Marley, Jimmy Cliff. They were all on this uh, record label called Island Records, Mm. and plugging another great radio broadcaster, Terry Gross's Fresh Air, she interviewed the founder and owner of Island Records uh, in the last couple weeks. I guess he just had a recent memoir. He lived in Jamaica for a long time in his youth and growing up. It's pretty interesting. I was looking at Island Records. They did a lot of other music outside of reggae that I'm just like, whoa, I love all these people. He's, he did Brian Eno's first yeah. few albums. I
1: think Brian Eno produced some U2 records on the
0: island also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very uh, interesting mix of artists. What a cool career. Very awesome. I'll check out that interview. How about you, Lewis? What are you listening to?
1: Well, my buddy Evan showed me an artist that I felt like fell into our discussion of reggae a little bit. This artist is Coffee with a K. She put out an album this year called Gifted. And not all the tracks are reggae, but there's definitely a lot of reggae influence, and it's more of like electronic. It has like those intricacies that we appreciate about reggae. One track standing out to me on that is Lonely. It's definitely got some of reggae vibe, but more of a newer production. Production style
2: With the baseline open at the daytime. Had a late night, but I never lay down, I never stayed down. I hope your day's fine. We should spend the day now. Hey, I'm gonna make time, so you should make time and we should play. I have nothing things to say. Aye, let's run away, we can take a vacation, treasure creation, okay.
1: I've been digging that, added it to a a starter playlist I'm making of some reggae songs. So, hot reggae summer,
0: here we come. Yeah, I've I've started my own reggae playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, everyone, this is not turning into a reggae podcast. At least not right now. (laughs) Tune in next week to find out
2: more.
1: This is Homework. Today on RTunes, we have a guest who is living in another part of the United States right now. That's my dad coming to us live from his basement in North Denver, surrounded by guitars in a home with a lot of different forms of music and media that I think have all been shared and influential in my life as I grew up and continue to appreciate those things.
0: So if I could just ask real quick, just ground rules. I think it's okay for you to call him dad. Is it okay for me to call him what?
3: (laughs)
1: Well, dad's got a bunch of aliases.
0: What's your favorite alias, dad?
3: Lewis knows I'm a person who is often assuming different personalities. I have like three dozen names that I use. The one that I'm fond of the last couple of weeks
0: is pop music. Okay, I'm going to roll with that. Thank you, Pop.
1: That's great. So, Dad, this podcast is, in essence, about digital music collecting, or that's how it started out. It's become a lot more than that, I think it's kind of about our relationship with music. I think that's really relevant to our conversation because you showed me a ton of eclectic and amazing artists that I still appreciate to this day and have helped me broaden tastes to the extent that I can podcast with my friend Brad, who has pretty different listening habits than I do.
3: Brad, did you ever hear my litany of Grateful Dead jokes?
1: I don't
0: think I've... No, I have not.
3: Lewis has heard them a thousand times. He can put in the earplugs, but it it goes like this, okay? First one is, how many Grateful Dead fans does it take to screw in a light bulb?
0: I'll say two, but without a real reason.
3: Yeah, we say none because they just wait for the light bulb to burn out and then they follow it around for 20 years. Hmm.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay.
3: The second joke in the litany, how do you know if a deadhead has been at your home?
0: They're still there?
3: They're still there. Okay, that one's pretty well known. Hang <laughs> right, yeah.
2: right, on, give yourself right. a point.
3: Okay.
1: Brad's, Brad's onto it. <laughs> Sorry, I won't steal anymore, I promise. You're taking a big gamble on Brad not being a huge
3: deadhead, Dad. I, I don't see Brad as a deadhead, so I don't think these things are impacting him greatly.
0: You, you have something there. You've, you've read a pulse of some kind emanating some sort of uh, cosmic wave that is being received.
3: Let's bring it back to music and what we're doing here tonight. Let's bring it back to The Harder They Come. Why'd you land on, on that soundtrack?
0: I think where it started for me was I had a friend who just had a collection of DVDs, and I'm pretty sure I just picked this one out of the hat. I watched it. Some of the tracks from the soundtrack were definitely things I'd heard on the radio before, like The Harder They Come.
2: But between the days...
0: just revisited that movie many times over just because I really enjoy the movie and Jimmy Cliff and Toots and the Maytals they have always for some reason just been something that I feel more of a gravitation towards and and I would say that all of that was exposure that I received from that soundtrack in the movie with all this yeah. stuff
3: folks at the end of the day it comes down to what what do you like and does it talk to you right mhm absolutely The powerful thing about Harder They Come is I even think Mr. Cliff is still alive. Not like there wasn't reggae before him, but everything that's come since, he opened up that music to our culture, to U.S. culture, right? The other thing about that soundtrack, Place and Time, Jamaica was, like many countries, in a political turmoil intense social problems right so as reggae continued to rise and and the soundtrack just kind of brought the music into mainstream but beyond that the lyrics are just fantastic and uh, all of these songs have sustained very well over over the years
1: you know there's definitely a universality to the soundtrack Especially since the capitalist hustle that's at the root of the movie. This guy who has one small talent and one song that he's trying to make it with, and that's all he's got. He doesn't even have two pennies to rub together. That's definitely not a thing that's going away in this day and age, and it could still be an anthem for somebody who's, like, hustling or just trying their best.
0: You know, something that's very relatable to the spirit that is embodied in the lyrics of the song, even though, like, maybe the lyrics are way more embedded in a experience of of struggle that's so much harder than the lives that we've ever had to live speaking for myself but at the same time you know i can totally relate to like jimmy cliff's song about many rivers to cross but i can't find my way you know it's just like the metaphors are great even though you know listening to the songs and knowing where it's coming from that that it came out of
3: Let me speak to one song. I'm looking at the list here. So the one that I'm I'm looking at down at the bottom about the rivers of Babylon. You know, we all sang that as kids. By rivers of Babylon, you know, we sat down and we knelt and prayed uh, as we remembered Zion, right? let the words from my mouth and the meditations from my heart be accepted within my sight. Biblical stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually first heard that song in a rendition that Sublime did at the end of their album 40 ounces to freedom there's a bunch of weird alt take tracks and one of them is an acoustic cover of rivers of babylon definitely a song that was copped from reggae culture reggae music and i'd never heard the original before and when i heard it in this form i was like i knew all the lyrics because i'd already heard the song hundreds of times the instrumentation of it was just so beautiful it was even more earnest and powerful hearing it the
3: version they had on here i think the film came out in 72 okay The film represented more than a story about Jamaica, you know, under oppression. We've been living in a country of continuous war for 12 years. When the culture tide shifts one way or another, sometimes there's a soundtrack that just inspires you to stand up, own your life and your problems. And in the case of the songs, make them larger than yourself.
1: As the film goes, the pairings of songs from the soundtrack with moments in the film are spot on. But there's also periods of complete silence in the rest of the movie. The contrast between those moments is so strange. I guess the production budget on the movie might have been low. They can't just like fill it with a score. From the beginning, you have that overture, right? You can get it if you really want it, which is a great
0: song.
2: You can get it if you really want At
1: mm-hmm. I love the trumpet line so much, a steady groove. That happens at the beginning when you're just seeing somebody who's being introduced to this environment where they're going to struggle. That's like your call to action is to like jump in and start trying to grind. When he's in the studio recording the title track, the harder they come he's surrounded by these musicians and everybody is like consummate professionals top of their game pumping it out all for a $20 garbage deal from the top producer in all of Kingston he absolutely knows his power I'm on top of my little heap of the capitalism here I make hit records if you want to make a record with me that's great but it's my record man mm. and I'm gonna pay you this much and that's what you're gonna get
0: yeah I particularly love that scene outside the sort of power dynamics of the studio the scene of the studio itself and the music being made it felt very real you were watching some musicians being like okay next guy up we'll lay it down and let's hear what he got
1: almost all of the songs have got this more up-tempo, more upbeat kind of major key thing going on while everything around them is like people stealing from you, trash in the streets. It's obvious that there's such stark poverty around them everywhere, but the music is coping. It's getting power that you can't get from anything else.
3: It's the metaphor of the music studio as the escape mechanism from the hardness of everyday life. You can come on and record with a big star on your shirt, and you can have a number one song, and all of a sudden you might feel that you're getting yourself out of the uh, social conditions that have put you there, right? Pressure drop, what a great song. How many words are there in that song? Not too many.
1: Another song that i thought was one of the really moving moments in the movie and just a really great song was many rivers to cross that's more of a song that speaks to hardship and has the tempo and pace of a almost mournful yeah for a reggae song right? yeah
0: well and it's you know the organ feels more like church music
3: While we're sitting here sort of riffing on this, I always do the same thing. I always want to like go back to the seed syllable. What's the harder they fall mean? It's a biblical phrase about David and Goliath.
1: We were speculating on that. That's cool.
3: The expression that you'll find more common is the bigger they come, the harder they fall. But you can just think of David and Goliath, you know.
0: So Jimmy Cliff is featured on this soundtrack on a number of the songs and he's the lead actor. Throughout the movie, he's just hitting roadblock after roadblock. He's a country boy coming to Kingston with no money. He's struggling to find a job. He has musical ambitions. He can't get into the studio. Through the movie, you can see it's socioeconomic barriers, some of which might be related to religion or politics and poverty, this David and Goliath metaphor. Goliath is like all of these hardships that this person is facing. It's
3: not just the opponent or the adversary. The bigger the social problems. One thing I want to go back to when I was talking about pressure drop. Brad Lewis would tell you a thousand times over that his parents liked to talk and play with words. Many years ago, we looked at the words that had press in them. You know, I want to express myself. I feel repressed. I feel depressed. And at the end of the day, we just coined a phrase, which is, I just feel pressed. It doesn't matter which one it is. I just feel pressed. And that's kind of what pressure drop sounds like to me, as if the gravity of life is just holding me down.
0: It's like a mantra. In that song, And I do love that song. Jimmy Cliff is really featured on the album. Makes sense since he's the lead person in the movie. I love that all of the songs they picked to be included on the soundtrack really give a nice survey of some great artists from Jamaica and like songs like even if maybe they were less successful internationally they were just killer songs. If
3: you think about it, the Bob Marley phenomenon comes after the Jimmy Cliff phenomenon.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that.
3: You guys are music guys. What is that backbeat of reggae that makes it so addictive?
1: That's one of the things that struck me on this album, right? Is you can listen to a song and be like, okay, wow. You know, it's really compelling lyrics. The feel is just really good. But there's something about the way the beat bobs that feels like deceptively simple. These songs are so busy. There's so much like sneaky bass work. There's lots of keyboards and organs and there's that upstroking guitar it's like somebody's picking up on the higher strings of a guitar, going like
0: on the gang, upbeat, gang, gang. On, on the,
1: the upbeat. on the upbeat too. It's definitely what you know, says reggae to people the moment they hear something like that.
0: The backbeats
3: are great and actually something that'd be interesting for you guys to just look at.
0: The thing that stands out most audibly to our ears is that upstroking guitar on the sort of syncopated beats. As a bass player, I am embarrassed to say I did not in my youth appreciate how much reggae bassists were really just holding it down. In re listening to this soundtrack over the last few weeks, I've just been, wow. How did I not know this? It's mind blowing and it's really, it
1: flies below the radar. It's like yeah. so subtle.
0: It sounds like some of the influence for maybe like what James Brown was doing, it's more simplified chords. So it's not a lot of chord changes and the bass player is really like laying down a groove less melodic and more with the rhythm section.
3: You know, I go out to Wikipedia and I ask what's the time signature of reggae comes back as 4-4. Reggae usually has a 2-4 or 4-4 with accented second notes, time signature and a low tempo. Now, if that makes any sense to you, I don't know. That's just looking at somebody trying to describe things.
1: I often feel... It's so frivolous to try to describe or rationally break down music. So, this is our last podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> based on my based <laughs> on my <laughs>
1: statement, uh, yeah, <laughs> shut it down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just to add my pop music signature to this discussion, in a lifetime of hearing great music, uh, one of the highlights in my life was I did see Bob Marley's last U.S. tour. During COVID, one of the things that I did actually in the first couple of months of COVID, we played every Bob Marley record that we have, and we probably have more than a dozen.
1: I mean, I know Mom is a consummate lover of, of Bob Marley. I didn't think that you were quite as on the train as she was.
3: She's the one that has all the records. I'm the one who saw him perform. Where do you guys want to go? Do you want to go from reggae to uh, deedle, deedle, deedle?
1: Do you have any other parting thoughts? Um, I mean, again, this is a thing that I think we're going to experience over and over again, Brad, when you assign me a homework assignment, that it's going to be hard for me not to just like totally fall for it, fall in love with it, because this was a brilliant film, beautiful music. Okay one of a kind, and not something I'd ever really dug into before, right? Jimmy Cliff's music is not a thing I was highly familiar with.
0: I feel like I had that experience too, and that's why I wanted to share it. And I feel like for those listening, as pop music just alluded to here, there's a lot of other music to be heard from Jamaica, and whether it's reggae or rocksteady, the film and the soundtrack are really great. Way to get a taste of that.
1: Dad, do you have a, some parting thoughts on uh, The Harder They Come?
0: Yeah, I've got
3: one, which is, you know, first of all, thank you for dialing me back. I mean, I've seen the movie recently enough to remember, you know, not as much as you do, Brad. But you know what really stands out to me when I think about that film, like 50 years later, is the star on Jimmy Cliff's shirt. The lifetime of rock music and all of the entertainers we have seen and the performances. How many other people ever showed up with just, you know, one big star on their shirt? And then rose that star to the top of
0: the uh, charts, okay? Yeah, he was definitely rocking a style, you could tell.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Dad, so you wanted to assign us an album for homework to listen to.
3: What do you got? Because I find that you guys do such digging into material and reinterpreting it, okay? What I really like is that you know music over time means one thing in one era. And if it's any good, it means something in another era. It's got transformation, right? And as Lou knows, and my wife knows, I've been a fan of the guitarist John Fahey since I could walk.
1: Brad is putting his hands in the air.
3: (laughs) Brad, you were responding positively on your end. What's the what's your Fahey meme?
0: The last guest we had on the show, Ben Curry, was the person who introduced me to John Fahey. It was the first time I ever really listened to that kind of instrumental finger-picking acoustic guitar. I've really just scratched the surface. I think I maybe had just a Burn CD that my friend Ben provided me. If there's a particular album or a couple of songs that in particular you're, you you would highlight,
3: yeah, it's called Blind Joe Death. It's his first record. Okay, awesome. I usually play this song several times a week because it's a spiritual song, but it's also a beautiful song. In the genre of playing finger-style guitars, it's kind of like a, a classic song that people uh, learn. The song is called In Christ, There Is No East or West. <laughs>
1: you so much for your thoughts on the soundtrack and a treat of a live performance.
0: Yeah, it's been great.
3: I always tell you always end with a good joke, you know. I'm in this uh, guitar camp in uh, Tennessee, I guess it is. And there's a gentleman who's giving a talk to the audience. And he's a piano teacher and he's maybe in his late 60s and he says, "You know, when I was a young kid, my mom asked me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "Mom, When I grow up, I want to be a musician. And she looked at me with that maternal knowledge and that star in her eye. And she said, well, you know, son, you can't do both. (laughs) Our tunes keep it going, guys. You're doing great. Thank you for uh, inviting me, Lou. And Brad, it's always a pleasure.
0: Yes, likewise.
3: Love you, Dad. Thank you.
1: This has been RTunes Podcast. RTunes Podcast is hosted by Lewis Weil and Brad Lanute, produced by Robert Hughes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ArtunesPod Pod or Instagram
0: at RTunes Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Humans have a major breakdown in their cognitive functioning in connecting one thing to another. And let me tell you, this is a perfect example.
1: Wow, that was really great.
0: I, <clears throat> I did not know about any of that. Yep, not surprised. <laughs>